Sex Communication, a podcast of explicit audio and frank conversation. How do we talk about sex? How do we communicate during sex? Well, if you're here now, then you're going to find out. My name is Brianne McGuire, and each week I share an uncensored peek into the things we don't discuss. Sex. 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 I can't say the word sex. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff. Sex. Hello and welcome to episode 122. Today I interview Satara, or Sultry Satara, as she is listed on her website. She also describes herself as the dominant, nerdy Indian girlfriend you're looking for. Satara is a phone sex operator and she specializes in providing that virtual girlfriend experience coupled with sensual domination. Satara sat down with me to discuss what it's like being an Indian woman of color in this industry all of the nuances and challenges that come with phone sex, both professionally and in relationships, as well as why phone sex is so important right now during the pandemic. We actually sat down and recorded this interview before my collaboration with the Black Sex Worker Collective, but I'm so grateful to have this conversation as a complement to that series, as it's yet another opportunity to discuss the role of sex work and also how racism plays into the industry and in sexuality in general. So let's get to it. Here we go. Hello, Satara. So why don't you just start by telling me a bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Satara. I am a sex worker. I am a phone sex operator over on Nightflirt, and I create content on other different platforms such as AP Clips, Clips Sale, but mostly a Nightflirt, and I've been doing phone sex for about two years, and I love it, and I love sex work. Great. So with the phone sex, I'm interested, do you, is it something, like, why is phone sex specifically? So I looked into different career options for sex work before jumping into phone sex. I had known about camming and full service escort and stripping, but I specifically chose phone sex because I still wanted a way to remain anonymous while being engaging in sex work. And I wanted to really like use the power of my voice to influence men and their sexuality and their decisions because a lot of people feel that phone conversations regardless of sexual nature or not are outdated in 2020 or even when i started in 2018 but phone conversations are alive and well and i wanted a job where i could work anywhere and make my own hours and not always look super cute 100 percent of the time and phone sex allows me to do that gotcha is it something that you enjoy in your personal life as well? I do. I have had um, phone sex personally, like with my former relationships and former partners, and it's something I do enjoy. And can, do you ever, well, I mean, I guess as a professional, you probably are like very good at it. And, you know, and as far as like any kind of awkwardness or I'm asking because like personally, I find phone sex it's just, it's so much pressure. And I find too, there are so many times where I feel like I'm stumbling with my words or like, you know, there might be a point where the other person doesn't hear what I say or vice versa. And then you're like repeating something and then to repeat something, it's not sexy when you're repeating it. Like, does that ever happen to you? Yes. Um, I feel like a lot of people think that if you use like a phone sex site, like Netflix or Talk to Me or any like platform, that it's going to be a streamlined conversation and everything is fine. I have had times when a guy has called me on Netflix and I have not heard them or they have not heard me because the reality is phones are still technology and you can have a tech issue using anything. You know, tech issues are pretty much always going to be a thing, whether you do Skype, whether you do Cam, whether you do like anything but technology. I feel like people, because like the difference between phone and like texting or, you know, using a video camera or anything like that is that you can't like see the other person or like, you know, like the ellipses when you type or things like that. So it's like more pressure that way. It's like, oh, that person can't see me or they're like, they can't see me type. Like, what am I going to do? But I feel like that pressure can also be like alleviated by like, just being your true self with that person and being like, hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Can you repeat that? Or crap, my cell phone signal is really trash here. Let me move to another part of the room. Or can you repeat that again? And I feel like even repeating things, you know, like you had mentioned, it's kind of awkward to repeat things. Depending on the thing, it could be kind of sexy. I mean, if you're repeating your partner's name, you could say it again in a sexy way. Or, you know, something else like that. Do you ever... Or find yourself at a loss for words though or you like you you can't think of the next thing to say or like there's some situation being described that you don't know how to respond to 
Oh, for sure, because I do the girlfriend experience and a little bit of sensual domination during phone sex. So it's interesting because some guys will call me and they'll be like, "I want you to be my slut and I want you to be my whore," and I'll be like. Well, thank you, but I am not a slut or a whore. There are lots of women who are comfortable with those terms, but I am a dom and GFE, and those are not comfortable with me. And I think just explaining those boundaries, you know, because for people who are doing phone sex, you know, personally with like partner or someone who they may know a little bit more personally, they can have that conversation before even talk about that on the phone. But there are definitely times when you're just like, I don't know what to say. And I feel like if it's in a personal relationship, you could just be like, honey, I don't know what to say right now. Like, I'm horny, but I don't really know what to do. Like, help me. Um, I feel like that's perfectly valid. And, you know, it shows, like, the reality of a relationship. Because sometimes you just don't know what to say, right? I mean, you can be like, uh, I don't know. Or, like, when a guy calls me and I'm like, I don't really know what to do right now. I'll be like, you know, what's on your mind? What are you thinking? What are you wearing? How would you like to proceed? like a normal conversation you just turn it on the other person everyone wants to talk about themselves yeah everyone does i mean you'd be surprised how many people just want to talk and express themselves especially right now i mean sure there are restrictions easing up about you know going outside but there are also protests going on now covid is still a real threat so a lot of people even people in long-term relationships they are still not physically meeting up in person they're still only doing phone or chat or webcam you know do you also do, um, like, any kind of Skype or, or, like, any other thing that incorporates video or anything like that, or just strictly audio? I do strictly audio for now. I am exploring cam. The reality is cam is different in the sense that you have to, like, be looking, like, super cute. That's, I mean, I'm not saying if you're a cam girl, you have to, like, look a certain way, but I know, like, to attract the customers that I would want, I cannot, like, just be chilling in bed with, like, my hair down and like you know like in my pjs i mean i could but like i feel like the life of a cam performer you have to present a certain way and you know unless you're doing, like you know working for that particular audience so i have explored only audio but i'm looking forward to doing video in the future do you find that a lot of clients ask for that as like a next step like you work with them a bit and then at some point they're like they just want to take it to another level does that happen I do have guys who, like, if they want, like, they talk to me for a while, or they'll just straight up ask me, like, hey, can you get on cam? Um, I do get that, and the reality is I politely tell them thank you, but I do not offer cam at this time. I have, you know, looked into, into exploring cam with, like, steady customers, but it's not something I'm doing right now just because, like, I want to gauge my customers, like, the way they are, because, like, I am still iffy about cam and I don't show my face in any of my pictures or any of my content that I sell. So I'm just aware of like the privacy of that and, you know, just being real about that. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny when we scheduled this interview, I didn't realize at the time, I'm not sure if you did, but today is International Sex Workers Day. I mean, what are your feelings on the industry and, and being a sex worker? And, do you know, do you participate in any activism? Well, well before, so I'm in my 20s now, and even before I became a sex worker and got involved in sex work formally, I think, honestly, since I was like a teenager, like young adult, I've always really been pro-liberation and pro-social justice and social reform, especially for sex workers, because I grew up in a neighborhood where I saw sex workers, I saw sex work, and I know society really, excuse me, stigmatizes sex work, but I have seen people, like, because I grew up in a low-income immigrant neighborhood and I saw a lot of low-income immigrant women of color really like provide for their families through full-service escort work, through stripping, through phone sex back in like the 90s and 80s and you know with CAM even now and I feel like sex work even like a lot of sex work movements globally are still featuring like mainstream like white Performers, but the reality is there are a lot of sex workers of color who are also doing a lot of liberatory work. And I feel that International Sex Workers Day, for me, it represents a lot of the history of sex workers in this country because the reality is America will not function without sex work. Sex work is an industry that funds a lot of this country's economy and people don't want to talk about it. And people, especially service sex work and stripping and other like, you know, physical performance work is deemed like, you know, like socially unacceptable. And I disagree with that because there are so many 
like reasons people go into sex work, and there are so many ways the American economy would not be where it is today if it weren't for sex work. No, I agree. I agree. And, you know, not just in the States, but everywhere. I mean, like they say, it's like sex work is the oldest profession, and, you know, and it helps a lot of people, you know, manage their own sex lives. It's mm-hmm. like it's such a therapy, and the fact that people are so unwilling to talk about it or be open that it's a part of their lives, and, you know, instead put this public face of, condemning it and you know it's just it's such nonsense but i want to ask you a little bit more so you said when you were growing up and you were seeing you know women supporting their families and doing this were these women i mean in your mind as as a young person seeing this did you think of it in a positive or a negative light then or was there like a a feeling about it or was it just like something that you witnessed and you didn't have like a stigma or any kind of opinion about it formed? Honestly, I don't think I had a stigma about sex work because if I did, I probably don't remember it, but I think I really have always been pro sex work and I've always been like, even from like, you know, like a younger age, just like aware of like the different ways that someone can use their body to make money because a sex work is an industry where you have to use your body to make money. But also that is every industry. You know, like you use your body to make money as well. You use your mind to make money and you know, the ways that it is stigmatized really like challenge, like, my perceptions of being like, you know, a quote, successful woman and what does it really mean? And I really feel like I kind of have always supported sex workers because I saw how, you know, the strippers in my community and the full service escorts, they, you know, were able to pay for their kids. Their kids were able to, you know, go to college and they were able to live financially stable lives because the reality is a lot of jobs are not financially stable and they're not secure. And the reality is with sex work, you can make your own schedule. You can make your own work. You know, you can have your own autonomy in your own career, which is not really common in a lot of other fields. Being exposed to it so young, was it a very natural progression? I would say so. I went to college and that was fine and all. And I ended up getting like a vanilla job, you know, and working in, you know, my life and I found sex work because it's particularly phone sex because I wanted a job originally I did phone sex part-time and I did it part-time because I was working a vanilla job and I wanted to explore my sexuality my sexual desires and I also wanted to make more money because the reality is I had bills to pay and I wanted to make money and I found out about phone sex in particular because I wanted a job that gave me the freedom to work from home to you know interact with customers to sell content to do different ways of making money and I feel like I really got into sex work because not so much out of survival but more so I needed to make money on the internet on my own schedule in addition to my current job and then I went back to school and I was like I need a job that will be okay with me going back to school you know and like managing jobs school career and all that it's like the way the way I worked and I flirt has allowed me to be a full-time student and also do sex work some weeks full-time, some weeks part-time and giving me that freedom and flexibility in earning and also making my own business for myself and making my own name for myself. Are you still in school now or you've graduated? I'm still in school. Yep, I'm still in school. I'm in graduate school. When you're finished with that, is your intention to be doing a vanilla job at the same time that you're managing the sex work or you would do one or the other? I do feel like, in all honesty, given the way that the world is right now, I will probably always stick with sex work for as long as I can because I truly feel like sex work is the most stable job for me right now. Just being really honest, um, I feel like a lot of companies are coming and going. I feel a lot of industries are coming and going, but sex work will always be there. Maybe phone sex itself may not be you know, around in five, ten years. I still think it will, but you know, maybe it won't. We never know what's going to happen in this world. But I feel like sex work is an industry that will always be there. It's always evolving. It's always changing. And I do feel like I will probably be a sex worker like for at least like another ten years. I can see myself in the student for a while, maybe branching out into CAM and other fields. But I can see myself in this field after graduate school and Maybe eventually when I get a job, which I honestly am not counting on right now in the vanilla world, because the vanilla world is just going to shit. So I'm I'm not counting on that. Do you enjoy it? I mean, wait, 
because it sounds, you talk about it it as it's an an empowering thing, which I understand. And I I hear a lot of sex workers talk about their work like that. Does it feel like that? Or is it something like you're also getting like sexual pleasure out of it? I definitely get sexual pleasure out of phone sex, particularly like exploring my dominant side. I really enjoy that. It's a form of sexual expression that I never I've had some experience in my personal life with it, but I really do enjoy exploring phone domination and phone girlfriend experience because I really do like those two niches in particular. And yes, phone sex is a job, sex work is a job, but I truly love this job. I feel like I, like by nature, am very short-tempered and hot-headed. So if I did not like sex work or phone sex, I honestly would not be in this field for two years. Because I've worked other jobs. I've been a cashier. I've been a waitress. I have, you know, worked at, you know, I've done retail. Like, it's not like sex work is the only job I've done before. So I'm aware of, like, different sectors and job markets. Are you in a relationship right now or multiple relationships? Oh, no. Now I am single and (laughs) will probably stay single until there's a vaccine for the Rona. Um, unless that person is very comfortable with home sex only or is really social distancing because I take like public health issues very seriously. Yeah. I, I just heard actually in, in um, England that they're talking about passing a law restricting people from having sex with anyone that's not within their household. Yeah, I saw that as well. And I was like, that seems very strict. Like, how are you going to monitor that? Um, but I mean, before the coronavirus and before all of this went down, have you had relationships while you've been a sex worker? Has it been a problem? I have had a relationship while I was a sex worker, because while I am a sex worker. And I, you know, I was very open with my partner about it, because I know there's so much hearing from other people. I've heard say they're a sex worker but they don't tell their partner but for me personally like just given the nature of sex work because I work a lot from home because you know like if you google dirty Indian girlfriend you're probably gonna get like images and I mean I do hide my face but like I also show like my breasts and like my thighs and like if you're having sex with me or I've sexed with you personally you could probably like assess like the curves um so I figured you know it's better to be straightforward with partners just you know so they're aware you know because it's it's really awkward to find out that you know like you're dating a sex worker when you google you know like something and you're like oh I know this person personally (laughs) so is it a conversation that you have in the very beginning like at what point do you do you share it I share it when I feel comfortable with this person and when I feel that the relationship or the dynamic is actually like going somewhere if that makes sense because you know like a lot of people casually I personally don't really casually date as much like but you know like if you're just meeting someone once casually it's not the same dynamic as if you're like you know seeing someone for a couple of months and then it's going you know before and they're like oh it's so like we know why you're so busy on the weekends or like you know what kind of what kind of work do you do at home and you're like well I do consulting or I do marketing because a lot of sex workers that's what they write their taxes they do consulting they do marketing they do communications consulting and like oh what kind of consulting do you do and I'll be like I do phone domination and the girlfriend experience so. And in your personal sex life, are you dominating there as well? Or the sex work is an opportunity where you're exploring a side that you, you might not do in your personal relationships? I would say in my personal relationships, I'm also dominant. I feel like, so like for me, I feel like I would really need to find like an actual dominant alpha male, which is kind of hard to find because a lot of men say they're alpha and dominant, but they're really not. Um, and I feel like that's just not a man I really want yet that could change in the future but I do consider myself a dominant woman you know at work and in my personal relationships but maybe if there is an actual alpha man who thinks he can actually try to dominate that'd be something I'd like to explore it's funny that you say that because um so I I mean I I do I've taken those tests you know and I always score like pretty much exactly 50 50 as a switch Mm -hmm. okay and I do prefer to be dominated most of the time, but the people that I feel inclined to want to dominate are dominating men. Mm. You know what I mean? Like when I encounter a partner that reads a submissive, I, it doesn't inspire any desire to dominate them, whatever. Yeah. It's like, like I want to break the dumb guy. <laughs> 
Yeah, no. And I feel like a lot of men, especially like cis, heterosexual um, men socially, like they're conditioned to be dominant, you know, just like the way they interact with their work and sex life. And I feel like a lot of men think that because they have like male privilege or, you know, like they have like a quote big dick when it's really not that big anyways, that like they, you know, are dominant, but dominance is not just like, oh, I'm just going to aggressively choke you or things like that. It's like, you know, actually communicating with your partner about, you know, boundaries and aftercare and things like that. And a lot of men lack that emotional intelligence, like just being brutally honest, like, you know, like it takes a lot of like time and effort to find like a guy who is actually going to care for you in a way of two dogs of relationship. Yeah, I mean, I struggle with that too. And I identify with what you're saying about like a lot of men claim to be alpha or dominant. And then when it really comes down to it, they're, they're not actually, you know, there for the follow through. And then the whole, you know, negotiating everything and, and having a partner that's on board with, with having all the conversations about consent and aftercare. It's just, yeah, it's a, unfortunate that it's so hard to find. So you mentioned when you, you first, were considering getting into it or you you know the idea of sex work was there for you that you looked at it as a way of exploring your own sexuality can you talk about that more sure so when i first started out in home sex i really just did like the girlfriend experience like the indian girlfriend experience because if you go online and you google Home sex, you can find a lot of you know, like GFE or girlfriend experience, home sex experiences. You can find, you know, professional escorts who are GFEs and do the girlfriend experience. But there aren't really a lot of Indian women providing home sex or in person GFE services. And, you know, when I studied home sex, I really didn't specify that I was dominant. And it was actually a few of my customers who were like, you know, you really don't sound like a submissive woman or a ninja woman, you sound like a dominant woman. And, you know, I was just starting out in home sex. Like, I knew of, like, Dom and Sub and, you know, like, a, you know, the BDS community, but I really wasn't as aware of that. And so I, you know, I really, I made, like, a push in, like, my branding and, like, in my, you know, career as a home sex operator that I'm dominant. And I feel like that has just been how it's been since then. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, I, you know, trial and error, like, I realized, like, you know, being a submissive woman is not um being submissive is just not my nature so but i mean have you pushed some boundaries in the in the sex work that you do that you know you're able to try things or experiment or kind of like just go further into exploring something than you know in in real life relationships yes because i feel like a lot of like men don't want to admit that they're submissive or that they want to be dominated and I've been really able to like explore different types of domination like listening to a man breathe differently on the phone listen to him touch himself differently on the phone listen to him like the way he comes the way he touches his balls like those little things that you may not realize but like I can hear that through the phone like I can tell when a guy is touching his cock really fast I can tell when he's about to like bust a big fucking not. I can tell like his breathing is getting shallower and deeper and those are things I honestly would have not been able to pick up because like when you're physically fucking someone you don't really pay attention like oh you're breathing deeper like okay cool well like yeah I'm about to come of course I'm gonna breathe deeper um but like you know you get to pick up on that more like on the phone because that person is not physically there like you know a domination technique that I've done with guys that you know I tell them to close their eyes and open their eyes at different times during domination sessions and they're like oh that's something I, you know I've never done before just closing my eyes open my eyes you know using like the sense of smell and touch and things like that yeah I mean like, I'm not sure how much of the show you've explored um because I, I know you found me through the website but you know one of the episode types that we do is the audio form with actual sex mm-hmm. recording mm-hmm. a lot of people that respond to those I mean that's and especially I love when it's, you know, women reaching out because, you know, everyone expects it's going to be the men, like, just getting off on these things. Mm-hmm. They respond and they're like, it's just so intimate and you are able to pick up on so many, you know, just a deeper level of nuance because you're not distracted with the visuals. And I feel like it also really equals the playing field between partners, like so much visual porn when it's, you know, a heterosexual video or something like that. You're never really hearing both partners it's like one mm-hmm. or the other so yeah I, I really 
I, I love listening to it, especially when people send it and the people that have been sending it in, like, it's just great that it's just like you get to capture that in a different way. So I know that you're, you're Indian and you did mention a couple times, like with the girlfriend experience that you offer, like the Indian girlfriend experience. What does that mean exactly? Sure. So I feel like a lot of men, even men who personally talk to me, they'll be like, well, I don't see race or I don't see color or anything like that. Okay. No, it's obvious. Like Brienne, like, you know, like race is like still a thing. And you know, there are men they've done you know politics before or like you know they've had the GME politics experience or they've had domination with you know professional dom before but they're like I've never seen an Indian woman do this before and they're very intrigued by my personality by my education by my career goals by the way I approach the girlfriend experience and the dominant girlfriend experience you know for that matter because it's different it's something new a lot of you know sex work you know people think sex work is you know a white field. A lot of people, like any field, you know, they think it's only for white women. And a lot of sex workers of color are really marginalized by mainstream sex work organizations and within our own communities because, you know, still, sex work is still a very stigmatized field. And, you know, it's like that taboo love interest or like sex interest, but it's still very popular. You know, like the Indian American community is rapidly growing in America. There's a lot of interest in Indian porn. And I feel like, people are still very interested in Indian women. You know, we have that exotic touch to us that a lot of people are still very captivated by, very enamored by, very, you know, intrigued by, just because it's not super common. You know, like, if you Google, like, you know, sex, if you Google, like, domination, you're going to get a ton of doms. You're going to get so many doms, so many, you know, you know, whatever topic you want to see. But by a specific race or by, you know, specific ethnicity, you really don't get as much because there's still a lot of lack of diversity within the sex work industry. Yeah. Now, I, I've, I've had a lot of people on the show that I've encountered from FetLife and, you know, like you can go on their profile and see the things that they're into. And, you know, race is so often a part of the specific interests that they, they list. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes to with porn, like, um, you know, if you don't specify the race, you're getting a glut of white people. Like Mm -hmm. that's the de facto thing. But with your clients, I mean, I'm sure you must encounter clients that are they trying to get you to like exaggerate your Indianness or like use an accent? Do you find that? I don't want to presume your, your experience, but like, what is it like providing this Indian girlfriend experience? You know, you're an Indian sex worker. Like, how is it different for you? Well, I definitely still get a lot of racist shit. That's for sure. Um, even though, you know, I write in my listing and on my website, dominant, that doesn't exclude racism. Like, I still get, even like a lot of men who claim to be submissive, I still get a lot of racist shit. Like, they will be like, oh, why don't you do an accent? Or why don't you speak any Indian language? And I say, I only speak English and I do not do any accents. And they still write me off. I still get racist comments. I still get racist messages. I still get told I'm not, quote, Indian enough because I want to do an accent or speak an Indian language. Also, there is no such thing as Indian language. India has hundreds of languages. Um, And, you know, I still get my fair share of racist shit. I do feel like, you know, being an Indian sex worker, like there are sex workers of color, sex workers of color, don't get me wrong, but, you know, even among like Asian American sex workers, like you will see, like just on my own personal experience, you'll see a lot more East Asian and Southeast Asian sex workers compared to like Indian and Indian subcontinent sex workers. So there's still like a lot of lack of diversity in that area. And that's understandable. I can see why, you know, like I can see why a lot of Indian people may not go into sex work. I understand that. Um, but I definitely do see my fair share of racism, you know, and I feel like it's still there. And I feel like there's, I still do education on my subs. Like I make my subs read about Indian American history. I make them read about like Indian feminist history. Like I, I don't play that shit. Like I'm very serious about them being aware and, you know, they, I write on my listings clearly, like, I don't do accents or speak a language or English. Do you find that the racism that you encounter, you know, your sex work compared to your in-person experiences, is it equal? Is one more than the other? Is it just so different that there's not a point in comparing the two? I feel like they're about pretty much the same, you know, because, um, I mean, I definitely, I get more racialized, well, rather sexualized 
workplace is comments, you know, in sex work, but it's not like I haven't gotten those types of comments, you know, when I, you know, was casually dating a person or just, you know, being like my Indian self, you know, as an Indian woman in America. I mean, I still get racist comments about like, you know, like, oh, well, like you're so hairy. And I'm like, yes, like it says on my listing, I'm a hairy Indian woman. If you don't like that, why the fuck are you here? Like, why are you wasting your time? You know, like, like I'm thinking like from a guy's perspective, if you're jacking off, like why the fuck are you wasting your time on someone who's not getting you off? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So what are your feelings about people using race as a preference? I feel like that. Okay. Let me rephrase that. I feel like that depending on how it's worded can come off as very racist. Like if like, because I, I, I'm i friends with, like, black sex workers and other um, Indian sex workers and sex workers of color. Like, I, I've heard, like, I remember once I was, like, to black sex workers say they only want to date or be in a relationship with a black person. And I'm like, okay, I can see that because of, like, anti-black racism and white supremacy. And, you know, I can see that. You know, I understand that. But, like, if I have, like, a white sub who was like, yeah, I only date Indian women and I only, you know, want to get dominated by Indian women, you know, because because I think, like, you know, like, other women of color aren't worth it or they're not smart enough. Because I do get comments like that. I do get a lot of men who are like, oh, yeah, like, like black and Latino women aren't smart enough like you. And I, I quickly shut them down because that is not the type of, you know, racial preference or, like, racist discrimination and racist comments I'm going to tolerate. You know, and I make that very clear. And if it means I lose a customer, it means I lose a customer. And I accept it because I will not tolerate, like, the, like, that's what I mean by racial preference. Like, you know, are you preferring a race because you just don't like other people? Or are you preferring a race because of, like, systemic pol- like, politics and, like, practices against your people? You know? What if it's, like, an aesthetic thing? Like, oh, I like your skin because you're Indian, something like that? Yeah. I have done that before. I feel like, I don't know, it depends. Like, because I feel like that can definitely be construed as racist, but I know a lot of men also just prefer, like, darker skin in general. Like, that's just, that's just like a thing. Even though I'm a pretty light skinned Indian woman, I do know there are men who prefer, like, darker skin tones compared to white skin. Do you wish, though, that, I mean, if you had control over this in a, you know, utopian perfect world, would you? want to be just you know a sex worker just a woman or is it important to you to be an indian woman an indian sex worker i feel like my race heavily defines me and my ethnicity heavily defines me so i feel like i will always identify as an indian sex worker as a sex worker of color because the reality is like unless we destroy like the concept of race and ethnicity and racism like i will always be treated differently because of my race in conjunction next to a white person i i understand i guess i'm trying to think of it in the way of like because if people are coming to you because you're an indian sex worker like is that a positive thing to you if they're not coming to you in a racist way I think oh yeah I see what you're saying yeah no I feel like I'm very okay with that because I know there are like Indian men and other like men who come to like the South Asian subcontinent who also would just love to like be with an Indian woman because they've been looking for one for so long I feel like I have had men particularly look for an Indian woman because they're just interested in exploring and getting to know an Indian woman and that's fine like, I feel like that's fine, but if it's, like, with a, like, oh, like, you're better than other women of color, oh, like, you know, like, a defaming way to other people, I'm not okay with that. Yeah. So, do you have racial preferences of your own in terms of, like, aesthetics or partner, like, when you look for porn, or do you look for porn with a certain race, or do you prefer to date a certain type of partner? Like, wh- how, what are your preferences? Well, I only date men of color explicitly um i do not date or have sex with white men and it's funny because i say that to like my white subs when they call me on night flirt and even like white men who want the girlfriend experience and i'm like yeah in real life i would never have sex with you um because i don't love white people um and i explicitly do that because i realize there is a lot of white supremacy in this world and i, I i'm at a point in my life where like i don't really have a tolerance for white people 
Um, so I feel very comfortable with other, I mean, men of color also are problematic and full of shit, don't get me wrong. But like, I feel more comfortable with a man of color compared to a white man. And I mean, I prefer, like, I've dated men of color of different races, Latino, Black, Asian, and so on. Um, I feel comfortable with South Asian and Indian American guys, but doesn't mean that I've only dated those types of men. So how does orientation play into your work and your personal life? Are you, are you a heterosexual woman? Are you heteroflexible? Are you actually gay, but you do heterosexual sex work? Like, where do you fall? I would say I'm heteroflexible because I personally only had sex with men, but I am definitely open-minded and would love, I would love to explore having sex with women and I'm binary person. I'm not really like emotionally tied to just having sex with men. And do you have multiple genders uh, approaching you for work as clients? Mostly, I would say like 99.99% of people who approach me identify as cis men. I have had some like cis women approach me in the past, but I did not personally, like I feel like the services they wanted, I was not able to provide for them. So I acknowledge that because of the differences and the ways like that I wanted to explore sex, but I would be more than willing to explore having female and non-binary clients as well. Yeah. So when a person approaches you as a client, like you, do you screen them first? Is it like, do they have to fill out a questionnaire? How, how do you get to the point where like somebody finds you, somebody approaches you and then you get to a point where they're, they've hired you and you've accepted them as a client? Well, I do phone sex on Nightflirt. So Nightflirt is its own entity and I only do calls through Nightflirt. And so as long as I'm accepting calls, anyone can call me unless I block them. So I don't really screen my customers per se through Nightflirt because I don't do any in-person sex work services. I do everything online um, in terms of like who can chat with me or talk with me on the phone. My phone is pretty much once I turn on accepting calls, I just accept whoever wants to call and I just take it from there. So then there's always the potential though, that somebody gets on the call with you and you, it's not working for you and you just stop it. It's, you know, you're just like, you discontinue it and block them maybe or not. I mean, what is it like when it's something, you know, something happens, it's a situation or a, a person that's on the call that, you know, it's, it's not it's not the call that you want to do or it's not the call that you um, feel suited for or like any number of reasons why, why it might not be successful. Sure. So I, you know, even though I am a dom, I am not going to like yell at someone for like, you know, just not being a genuine connection. I say, thank you for your time. That's something I'm not comfortable with or something I'm not interested in doing at this time. And I keep it very professional. And sometimes a guy will just hang up on you or sometimes you will say, this is not something I'm comfortable continuing discussing. Would you like to discuss something else? And I mean, also on Nightbird, you can chat, like do paid chat with me. And I, you know, I usually tell customers if you have a new desire or fetish or if you're new and shy to phone sex, you can always send me a text before we talk. And usually guys will chat with me before we talk on the phone to see if we're a good fit. And that's always worked out really well. Or just send me a message through Nightbird. Hey, this is what I'm into. Is this something that you're into? Because, you know, when you call a phone sex provider, like on a website like Nightbird, you know, they could be anyone and they could, you know, have a different voice that you may not like or something like that. So I'm aware of those nuances. Yeah. So I know we, uh, before the call, we talked a bit about, you know, the, the idea of, of sex education for you. So can you tell me a little bit about how sex was introduced to you? Was sex education something that was a part of your schooling or like it was a social, cultural thing, a family thing, you know, because I mean, I think it's interesting too, that you grew up with such awareness and, you know, in, like you were exposed to sex workers so young that I, I think is an experience maybe is not very common. So can you just kind of describe in a, a nutshell what sex education was like for you? Sure. So even though I grew up in, you know, I grew, was born and raised in America and, you know, I grew up in, you know, a major U.S. city, I never had formal sex education. I did not even know that people had sex education courses in school until I got to college. Um, everything I learned about sex, you know, as a teenager, I learned from my parents' website, from Google, from porn, you know, from listening to my friends talk about their sex encounters. I 
you know, I didn't learn how to put on a condom in school. I didn't learn about my period in school. I didn't learn, I learned about like HIV and some STDs, but I didn't learn about like consent or like healthy relationships or abortion or anything like that. Uh, that was not even talked about at all. So that's something that I'm sure just from life experience, you know, it, it's how you kind of learned to navigate all of those things. Yep. Life yeah. experience, the internet, social media. I feel like people, especially because like I grew up in the time when like like when the internet was really kicking up and porn and social media really kicked up. Like Twitter, I remember Twitter. I've just like been like around for a couple of years when I went to when I started high school, you know. And people don't realize like a lot of young people use social media as education because when you don't learn it in school, you Google it, you go on Instagram, you go on Twitter, you know. Well, yeah, and using porn as education too, unfortunately, instead of entertainment. Yeah. I mean, when, how old were you when you first encountered porn? I was 11. Are you pro-porn or kind of indifferent or have, you know, anti-porn? Oh, I'm very pro-porn. I love sex <laughs> and I love porn. Um, I feel like the porn industry, like any other industry, honestly, has its tradition of racism and capitalism and white supremacy and sexism but i enjoy watching porn i think porn i really don't like how a lot of young people are exposed to porn in the sense that like you know educate education and entertainment are two different things so what kind of porn do you like i like watching i like vaginal oral I really want to find more like porn with women eating out or like women being eaten out. Cause I feel like there's so many blowjob porn. Like, okay, like, I get it. Like blowjobs are popular, but like for fuck's sakes, like literally it's like blowjob everywhere. And I'm like, Oh my God, can we do something else? I don't suck a dick. Like really though. Like it's always like blowjob, blowjob, blowjob. I like watching threesomes with like two guys. Cause I like, like I like two men at once. Like I would like to have a threesome in my life. In your, in the threesome fantasy, like in your mind, is it, two men that never really have much interaction with each other, that it's kind of like, you know, just them both focusing on the woman or, you know, the scenario where it's kind of, you know, all three equally participating with each other. I definitely like a lot of attention during sex. So I definitely need both these guys to pay attention to me at all times because I really like my attention. And like, I'm very serious. I am like, I need attention all the time. Like, it's like, because I've heard people just having sex, you know, like, from, like, my friends and stuff, they'll be like, yeah, like, after sex, like, my boyfriend will just be in bed, like, looking at, like, Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat, and I'll be like, no, like, I need to fuck again, and, like, I love a lot of, like, I'm a very sexually energetic person, like, I need a lot of, like, sex, like, I need, like, hands on me all the time, like, I need to, like, have my ass squeezed and, like, my tits, like, fucked, like, I need, like, a lot of energy. You, you came across sex pretty young, do you feel like you know, just given how often people do use porn, unfortunately, as education, was that the case for you? Do you feel like it influenced your views on sex or your thoughts on like what was required or expected, you know, you know, looks wise, performance wise, activity wise? Actually, really funny you mentioned that. So, like, my age, so like, I'm Indian, in case that wasn't well established. And Indian people, especially, like Indian women were really fucking hairy. Like, no. Like, if you ever see a hairless Indian woman, she has spent hundreds of dollars, like, getting laser hair removal, hair, threading, waxing. Like, like, no. Like, I could wax my pubic hair today, and it'll be a bush tomorrow. Like, and I <laughs> think people don't understand that. I think people really think, like, women are just naturally hairless. We don't have facial hair. We don't have leg hair. We don't have armpit hair. We don't have pubic hair. Okay, no, I'm a hairy bitch, man. Like, <laughs> I don't just put that in my listing. Like, no, like, if you were to see me right now and, like, lift up my pants, you'd be like, damn, those are some hairy legs. <laughs> like, I... I'm a naturally hairy woman and I put it in my listing and, you know, I, when I, you know, started doing sex work and I remember when I was, you know, I saw Florida as a, you know, a preteen, a teen and all these women where they were hairless, you know, they don't have any pubic hair. They don't have any leg hair. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm never going to have sex with a guy because the guys don't want to have sex with a woman who has pubic hair. Guys don't want to have sex with a woman who has armpit hair. And now I have guys calling me wanting to masturbate to my hairy armpits and like my hairy pussy. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, 
I didn't realize this was going to happen, but okay. So I remember as a teenager, I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to find a guy to have sex with me because I'm hairy, like I'm loud. Like I'm going to, so I remember the first time I was getting ready to have sex with a guy, I was like, listen, I want to tell you, like I have stretch marks, I have pubic hair and I scream a lot during like sex and I'm very sensitive. Are you okay with that? He was like, fuck, I'm hard. Like we have sex. And I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, when you accidentally turn on a guy, but like you to turn them on because you were just being honest and you're like oh i made you hard by accident i didn't even attempt to make you hard so i guess we're gonna have a lot of sex so that's totally fine with me um because you know it's that expectation you know you have to be hairless you have to be quiet you have to be submissive but a lot of men are also super turned on by being tied up and blindfolded by a woman you'd be amazed like (laughs) people think domination is just like with a whip and a chain, and you know, that is a form of domination, but also just like telling a guy to like blindfold, like I'm gonna blindfold you, or like I'm gonna pin your arms above your head, like that's really a turn on too, you know? I feel like people think domination is only one way, but like there's so many ways to explore domination, you know? It's so mental, and the whole, yeah, I mean, sex, the brain is the largest sex organ, so yeah, I totally understand. So, but I mean, you, you must have. I mean, because every, every person, not even just, I don't think this is particular for women, but like everybody must encounter somebody who, who they are not their cup of tea, right? So mm-hmm. have you encountered partners where like they, the hair was a problem for them? I mean, I make it very clear and I'm like, if it's a problem for you, we can just not have sex. Like, I mean, cause like, I'm not going to shave. Like, I feel like a lot of women are so socialized. It's like, oh, well, like I'm with a man, you know, I must, you know, if he tells me to shave, I must shave. Or, oh, if he tells me to be quiet during sex, I must be quiet. So many women are so socialized and conditioned to just listen to a man, regardless of, you know, like whatever relationship you have to this man. And I feel like, that's what makes me so defiant sexually in a lot of ways. Like even men who don't know me, like like my casual guy friends or just my casual like friends in general, they'll be like, wow, you're such a dominant woman because you don't shave your legs. You don't, you have pubic hair, you know? And I'm like, how the fuck is having pubic hair dominant? I just don't feel like spending $30 on shaving and like going waxing and like, you know, even the waxing salons now, they're closed because of the fucking coronavirus. So like, what am I going to do? Like wax myself in the bathtub? Like, you know, and I'm like, okay, like I'm dominant because I defy social norms by being hairy. Okay, that sounds like a stretch, but if it turns you on, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, unsurprisingly, you know, I think, I mean, I I shaved my head over two years ago, and it wasn't until I did that that I think I realized how much aesthetics are a, like a, like a way of expressing a defiance, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I, I don't, I mean, this is just my personal experience or perspective, but it doesn't seem that dramatic when men alter their appearance, oh, whereas women, it's so, you know, it's like such a statement. Oh my God, armpit hair, leg hair, no hair, long, like everything is like such a statement in one direction or another. It's just like, it's so much. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, you know, that goes back to like, the socialization of being a woman, you know, like, you know, like, oh my God, like you, sh- you don't shave. Like, I'm like, I, I mean, I kind of knew like my personality was dominant, but like I didn't really identify as sexually dominant until I started doing sex work because I didn't really realize I was being dominant. You know, I was just a hairy brown girl who just didn't want to spend hundreds of dollars every month removing hair that's going to go back anyways. Because I'm going to shave it. It's going to go back. So what's the point? Just save money and enjoy the warmth. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you open with your friends about sex work? Like, you know, people in your social circle know, or is it something like, you know, like people in your relationship, like if you're in a relationship that's getting serious, obviously it's something you said you, you bring up, but I mean, do your, your friends, are you, or do you choose your friends that you're, hanging around and associating with people who accept you no matter what. So it's not an issue. So no one really knows I do sex work, like only a few close friends, but that's basically it. Um, just for privacy reasons, just because like I trust people, but I know that I would still get judgment from people. And I understand that because there are a lot of sex workers who honestly, you know, they, the reality is, you know, you don't tell a lot of people because you don't know what could happen to you. 
you know, like, even though I don't show my face or things like that, you know, you never know what can happen. And I'm aware of that. So. Have you ever felt endangered, though, because of what you do? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't want to presume. I mean, either on a call or, you know, like afterwards or something. Has that ever been something that you've dealt with? Well, I do regularly Google myself and, you know, I regularly, you know, I do cybersecurity checks because before sex work, I always was a very cyber secure alert person, you know, like removing like my location, you know, EXF, EXIF data, things of that nature. But, you know, I've been very lucky so far. Like I haven't had any like major threats. You know, I have had an occasional guy here and there say, you know, like I found out who you are, you know, or things like that. Um, but I haven't like had to like go to like report it or anything like that, you know, and I'm grateful for that, which is one thing I'm very grateful for with online work compared to in-person work, because the reality is, you know, in-person work, I mean, online work does have its own set of security you know, issues as well. You're like, I don't know who, how many guys have downloaded my pictures, you know, off of my listing and my website, you know, I know who visits them, but I don't know who's masturbating to me. Now I've been very lucky to be safe and I'm grateful. I'm happy to hear that. Is there anything that you want to express or explore or topics you just want to make sure we cover and discuss that are important to you? I feel like phone sex during COVID-19, during a pandemic, during civil unrest, you know, is great. I feel like people, you know, a lot of people, especially my generation and younger, just from my personal experience, this is nothing to do with phone sex. They have a lot of anxiety and stress with talking on the phone and maintaining a phone conversation. But I really do feel that phone sex is going nowhere for now unless they figure out something else. But it's here and I think more people should try it. Explore it. It's safe sex, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you literally don't have to touch the other person. I mean, you do have to touch yourself if you want to. Is there, are there any last things that you wanted to, to get in? Or You are amazing. And thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I greatly appreciate it. And, yeah, no, find me on AdBlurred. I'm Sophie Satara. I am one of the top-ranking Indian phone sex operators over on AdBlurred. And I make pics. I do chat. And I'm excited to talk with you again, Brienne, and anyone else who has been chatting with me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for reaching out. I'm so glad that we did this and that I got a chance to talk to you. So thank you so much for, for giving me this time. It was great. Oh, thank you're you. so welcome. And for all those listening, I will be including all of Sitara's links in the show notes so everyone has access. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sex Communication. Please subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. And if you'd like more information about the show, visit us online at sexcompod.com. That's S-E-X-C-O-M-P-O-D.com. If you'd like to be a part of the show, please email me at sexcompod at gmail.com. I am always looking for new sex audio and people to interview. It could be you.